So Mary Jo, who's our guest today? That would be Megan Stewart, the Director of Education at Unity Technologies. Okay, so I have one more brilliant question. Uh, And I know what you're thinking. Unity is a widely used game development platform used to render things in 3D. Objects, characters, environments, you name it. So that doesn't sound like an EdTech product, or that it's related to education at all. That's fair. I mean, you might not think that initially, but Unity has actually been reaching out to educational programs even before they raised a recent $181 million round of funding. That is gargantuan. Yeah, it's a lot of money, and they've used it to move into a new office. We had a wide-ranging interview with them there about what both their engine and their company at large will do in the education market. Okay, that sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to get to the news first, right? Yep, that's right. I'm Mary Jo Mata. And I'm Blake Montgomery. By the end of this year, students may soon be able to use federal aid to learn skills like coding or advanced manufacturing from companies like Flatiron School and General Electric. This week, the Department of Education formally invited eight public-private partnerships to participate in EQUIP, the experiment that allows students to use Pell Grants to pay for programs designed by non-traditional education providers. The EQUIP 8, as we're calling them, include UT Austin, Thomas Edison State University, and Northeastern. It's that time of year. The time when students go back to school and companies start making back-to-school updates and announcements. This week, there's Google, who announced updates to Classroom, Expeditions, and the overall Google for Education offerings. For example, teachers will now be able to share summaries of student work, classroom announcements, and the like with parents in Google Classroom, either by sending daily or weekly summaries via email or over the Classroom app. How much should entrepreneurs stray from their mission to win funding? In 2011, Uversity, who back then was called Integral, raised $2 million from the Gates Foundation, its first equity investment in a for-profit company. Yet the deal included commitments that conflicted with business goals, and as a result, it became a cautionary tale in how strategic investments can steer startups into trouble. The whole saga was tracked in an article called Unintended Consequences, published in the Stanford Social Innovation Review. Stacy Wang, an advisor to the superintendent of Oakland Unified School District, was trying to hit a target that she couldn't see when she had a revelation. Aiming for that impossible target felt exactly like purchasing and evaluating EdTech. In both contexts, she couldn't tell how her team had performed, and now she's asking, how do systems know when their initiatives have, quote, landed successfully to support teachers and enable students to thrive, end quote. She shares her story this week on EdSearch. Check out our site for more. And now it's time for Kachangs. Galvanize, a provider of technical training programs, has raised $45 million in a Series B round by ABS Capital Partners. Founded in 2012, the Denver, Colorado-based company has served more than 1,000 students through training programs in web development, data science, and engineering. Cura Talent has raised a $5 million Series A round from existing investors Relay Ventures, BDC Capital IT Venture Fund, Globe Alive, and Roger Martin, bringing its total funding to $8 million. The company makes a college admissions platform used in 150 schools around the world that incorporates videos and specialized questions alongside written responses. 
Education to Employment Company, General Assembly, has taught more than 350,000 students across its 15 campuses. Known for its flagship web development boot camp, General Assembly will expand to 10 more cities in the U.S., Canada, and Australia by the end of the year. To boost its international ambitions, the New York-based startup also acquired Toronto-based tech and design career accelerator Bitmaker and announced it this week. So today we've got Megan Stewart on the show. So can you remind me who that is? Dude, you did the interview. But I don't remember her exact title. Okay, she's Unity's Head of Global Education. She previously worked in Adobe's education division for, I think, 15 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, and I do remember what we talked about. We talked about everything. The conversation ranged from what 3D assets students can make use of in Unity itself, or how game design programs are structured. Hmm, this is going to be interesting, so let's get to it. All right. Um, yeah, so I was I was browsing your website, and it seems like you guys have a suite of whole educational products, but I I couldn't quite grasp like what the goal of the overall goal of all of them. So I was wondering if you could talk to me a little bit about like the main thrust of Unity Education. Sure. So um, up until probably I started in February, and um, before that. We had people in education, but mainly focused on sales. And over the last two schools, to schools and to universities, um, and then uh, they brought in some people, and uh, they started building some of the certification products, and realized, wow, this you know, there's a lot we don't know about this market, and it's you know, obviously, in, in order to really help schools build game programs, um, use it more effectively, there's a lot more that goes into that in terms of professional development curriculum. Mm-hmm instructional resources overall. Um, so I had built the education um, programs at Adobe. I was there oh, for cool. 13 years, um, ran K-12 and then higher ed. Um, sorry about that. And uh, and so I had a lot of experience with, with what it really takes in terms of an understanding of pedagogy and understanding of um, you know how teachers need resources and, and how they need to train, how to align to STEM initiatives, how to align to um, over occupational standards, that kind of thing. So um, I brought in a much larger team now. So we have uh, actual people in product development, we have curriculum specialists, we have um, researchers on, uh, one main researcher came from UCLA. Um, she built one of the first uh, VR programs and game programs there. Mm. Uh, and then the, another woman that's uh, helped me actually build all the Adobe curriculum and certification and. Um, and we literally lapped the globe, getting it aligned with UK occupational standards, Australia, you know, um, India, you name it. So um, right now we are really, we have delivered a courseware and a certification uh, program. But we are really, what we're doing right now is um, aligning all of the content that we have with ISTE standards, um, putting together, you know, where are the gaps in terms of instructional resources, how do we um, put this this content together and get it out to the broadest possible audience um, and localize in eight languages? So that's always fun too because we have it's a global market. Um, as you, I'm not sure if you know, China is obviously massive for games and the interest there is is huge and the government's very supportive of this. So um, we everything we do we localize in Chinese, Japanese. Um, Portuguese, Spanish, French, German. Portuguese. Yes, Brazil, big developer community. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I'm not sure how much we'll be selling down there, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so so right now it's really about 
you know, getting the sort of the key pillars of what, what education really needs to help um, students learn game design and VR, et cetera. And that's, again, curriculum, training programs, that kind of thing. Uh, so we're coming out, so we already have uh, curricular frameworks out, and that's kind of the educator toolkit. Right. Um, we've done, we're doing different um, uh, surveys right now in terms of, you know, what, what are the challenges that you're having in uh, the classroom, what kind of things would be most effective uh, to help you um, use this tool as a communication tool, as a game development tool, um, you name it. So, so it's, you know, over the next couple months, we're going to be releasing quite a bit more content um, and resources. Uh, we work really closely with not only the university game design programs, but also with um, schools. So it's almost uh, it's it's almost sort of multiple things happening in process because a lot of times, uh, as you probably know, the the top game programs. I saw you had written up about some of the game gems that are happening, like at SMU. Mm -hmm. They've been doing this for a while, right? They have very mature game programs. Right. There um, was a there was a VR game at E three built by students. Oh, I bet. Really impressive. There was a bunch of um, here too at GDC. Uh, I didn't get to go. And Seagraph, there was a, a ton, um, and it's it's amazing. Like the Academy of Art right over here has four hundred fifty students in the game program. Wow. I mean, there's That's at Berkeley, big. there's six hundred students in the uh, uh, VR club alone. It's huh. unbelievable. So and so really, I mean, it's we can't get the resources out fast enough to help demand because there's so much interest in game programs and in particular VR has just sort of blown it all out and there's so many more um, applicable uh, areas that VR can be useful in beyond just game programs that I think there's there's a lot of excitement people don't really understand how to go about building this you know what are all the things you need to know um, so with all these things happening, and there's a skills gap, a huge one, right. because nobody, I mean, it's, it's hard for us to find VR people, you know, people who really understand how to develop it. Um, so, you know, the, we're trying to help get more skilled workforce out there, help teachers and faculty understand how to implement these kind of programs, how to align it to standards, make it relevant in the classroom, um, and, and also to have a better understanding of the type of um, careers that are possible around this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the VR is just so it's exciting in terms of what's happening in everything from architecture to, uh, you know, even uh, serious games and training to help virtual uh, medical, sort of virtual class, uh, sorry, it's Friday, virtual surgeries. <laughs> um, there's, it's just, it's being used in so many different areas and getting that information out and showing those type of programs how they could use this and what kind of skills you need to develop in order to do this is, it's uh, it, it's obviously a very important priority for us and a big request that we have both from education and, and from industry because our partners, you know, they, even the Kabams, I, I was gonna point upstairs, Kabam used Please. to be upstairs. <laughs> what is Kabam? Um, it's uh, Kabam is a game, uh, uh, company that's done, they've done a bunch of, it's like Zynga. Yeah, uh, okay. company. And I wonder if it would be helpful just to talk about like Unity's reach as a platform if you're not that familiar sure. with Sure. Oh, that's a good point. I yeah. don't have yeah. any numbers in mind, yeah. Yeah, so Unity is uh, about, has about 45% market share right now as an authoring tool uh, for games. So it's a, it's an engine. And when you say for games, are you talking VR games? Are you talking, like, what? So it's 45% for overall mobile games. So anything you download off the uh, asset store, so Angry Birds. Mm -hmm. Those are all uh, built with Unity and um, also many of the AAA games that you see. Um, and so 
what was a natural progression of that as VR after that. So because it's so it's much easier to get into Unity than some of the other authoring tools, um, and to build VR from that because we have a plugin in there in terms of how to optimize for VR. We are now about 90% of the VR content out there is all built with Unity. So we let you deploy to 26 different platforms. You can sort of build ones. Um, so mobile was one of the first places that we really made a big splash, but all the VR headsets, all the consoles, PC, Mac. Um, and we've seen about 33% of the top 1,000 mobile games are also made with Unity. So um, and I'll let you talk a little bit yeah, more about the services, but we sort of support the entire life cycle of a um, developer. So we have ads um, to support monetization and discovery. We have a whole analytics suite, um, and that's really kind of blown up in the last two years. Um, the analytics part saw, of that? Mm -hmm, it's a, yeah, it's kind of like that, the ecosystem around the game production model. So. Um, for example, the, if there's most schools and uh, students download the free version of, of Unity, which is great, it's very powerful. Um, but on top of that, there are these services that, in particular, it's great. I always love it when I get the product teams to actually look at who is on your betas and who are giving you the best feedback. And generally, it's universities and hmm. education. And at Adobe, that was the same thing. We had a lot of our ed leaders would literally, in product concept to alpha to beta, they were very engaged in giving feedback. And you know, part of what that's helped in, there's products that we have called Collab, collaboration, I always want to call it Collab, um, which enables teams to work together and build in the cloud, and um, it's a it's great hosted service to enable that sort of teamwork. Um, and the analytics piece is just fantastic. I mean, that's, I did a lot of analytics before with um, uh, Adobe products, and it's incredibly powerful in terms of not only uh, understanding your game from the beginning in terms of sort of the business of gaming. You know, how do you monetize this? How do you, but even beyond that, how do you use analytics to understand sort of wayfinding and UI and UX in your game? So understanding where people may run into issues and fall out of your, you know, uh, not be a part of your game. But it also goes uh, much broader than that, heat mapping across a 3D environment. Mm -hmm. And then the wow. future of that, if you can think of like VR, and analytics is incredibly powerful. Um, and universities, that's probably, particularly for the more um, advanced programs where you see a lot of the R1 universities, so the USC's, UCLA's, um, are incredibly interested in that from even just the pure data sets that they could work with in terms of, of you know, how many people are going through games, how many um, types of devices, that kind of thing. So we collect all of that. Um, so that's a whole, that's sort of part of that ecosystem around the actual Unity editor itself. So. Um, that kind of thing for education, we're, you know, even that we're building uh, curriculum programs on how would you use unit or analytics in education. So um, how would you introduce this in the beginning part of students to learn? So it's, it's a rigor to building games and testing and validating mm -hmm. the content. Um, might lose it. I know I'm going way out there with that, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, with this. Do you estimate it being a profitable part of Unity, and how do you plan to monetize like all these education products, or if not, monetize them? How do you shepherd a customer or shepherd like university students into kind of buying Unity things? So, basically, in the past, we were um, it was licenses that we would charge. Um, now we give away the software free to schools. So we have a K-12 grant, and we've uh, literally in the past year, we gave away 64,000 licenses to schools globally, um, and which was pretty exciting. 
and in uh, and literally students who I just got the numbers for this 1.2 million students downloaded the personal edition a free version in the last uh, nine months so it's definitely getting out there but again then you hit that barrier of people who are very savvy and immediately pick it up, but then there's the people that need more tutorials and resources, and so that's where we're jumping in trying to get those. So where we monetize um, is in the certification, so in the credentialing piece, so very similar to when you would go get an Adobe or an Autodesk certification um, through our partners, and we have quite a few more credentials coming out uh, and more around through the badging as well as more high stakes uh, certification. What does that mean, like, um, so, high state, like higher level? Yeah, well, so uh, full professional levels. So from the beginner level certification to a full professional certification where it actually happens in a proctored environment. Oh, uh, okay. um, same, same model as uh, Adobe and Autodesk and Microsoft do. Um, now, beyond that, though, we have this badging system that we're coming out with that um, is more on being able to validate your skills and understanding of different subjects. Um, so, for example, VR analytics. Um, so not all of the certifications are that are going to be you know, need to be done in person, but if you get if you are a certified developer or a professional programmer, those are very um, advanced certifications. Right. So it sounds like the monetized certifications are aimed much more at professional learners, and then the free products are aimed at uh, younger students. And yeah, schools. the professional ones are. Um, we do have a uh, developer certification that's foundational. Right. Um, as well, and that's the one that we're aligning to um, different standards as well. So in the in the UK, for example, having a validation of industry knowledge with its certification and the courseware and the curriculum. Uh, is any of it in here, of course, too, with Perkins and that kind of thing, is um, a easy, much easier way for student for schools to get funding in order to put those programs in where here's your curriculum and here's the industry uh, validation. Um, so we're packaging that up as well to sell to schools. Um, so schools get that free, but higher education we do sell it in right now. Um, and then the other area, so basically, you know, Unity sees this as incredibly strategic for for um, getting more people using this, building the industry workplace. Um, again, the demand is so high and it's really, it's you know, no pressure on education team here of, okay, people want to know how to effectively build VR, which is really important that you build it right. So getting, <laughs> I guess, otherwise you can have a lot of nauseous people uh -huh. around. Um, and uh, and so that that's you know our, our goal is to get that out as quickly as possible. So there'll always be a foundation of, of free products, free introduction. The last thing we want to do is limit, have a barrier to uh, people growing that uh, uh, growing that way. So where our where we do want to have a sustainable business in terms of being able to invest in our own you know um, areas in terms of we do research and we're doing um, you know building out products on our own that will support um, viewing students' uh, progression of learning. Uh, this, this is not uh, out yet, but being able to um, have better use of analytics to see students going through courseways, uh, course paths, and just giving more power using analytics to faculty and students in terms of skill sets. Um, and then, of course, the cloud services. So if you, are, if you want a higher-end analytics a solution if you want more storage and cloud build that kind of thing um, that we charge for mm -hmm. so like a freemium model yeah pretty much which is always a challenge with uh, with schools because they don't necessarily purchase that way as you know yeah um, it's 
I was just talking with another CEO who was, he had just moved from video tech to ed tech and was always, was fascinated by the fact that everyone is like, how do I build a business out of this? Yeah, yeah, um, not easy. No, but we're going to, shifting towards like the things you said are not out yet, can you give me a forecast of what's about to come out in the next couple months? Uh, yes, yeah, so you will see more certifications coming out, um, particularly around uh, VR. We're also partnering with um, some other companies in order to get more information out about VR, about best practices, about techniques, because there's a lot of uh, companies that want that want to do online programs, to have short courses, to have uh, content out there. And the last thing we want to do is limit the amount of information and content that is out there because of our own scalability in terms of us developing it ourselves. So partnering with different uh, uh, areas is, is obviously really helpful so we can do advice and guidance about what should be in the content, and particularly because it's so important around VR right now um, in terms of understanding the not only the technical requirements, but again, so important around the creative development of it. Um, because that's when it's done poorly, it can be a really bad experience. The creative development. Um, so if it's, if for example, the technology side, if the frame rates are wrong, if you don't understand the hardware you need mm -hmm. on some of the higher end experiences, mm -hmm. if it's not designed correctly, I mean, those are a lot of the areas that lead to people getting nauseous and having bad experiences. I see, yeah. So, um, so a lot of people are coming to us and, uh, you know, we, we are doing the certifications and badging and that kind of thing, but we want people to be developing courses. We want more information out there um, on how to do this. So uh, by, I keep telling some of my VR people that I'm going to skew them up, you know, put a part number on them and <laughs> say, sure, you can go out there for eight hours. Um, but, you know, getting information out on how, on best practices, and then they can build it into a course and give assets and examples of how to do this. Um, that's probably you know that's the other probably biggest barrier too is uh, we have an asset store. I'm not sure if you've seen that. Um, so you can go in there and if you think about Unity as like a big shell, big 3D world shell that you control with programming in terms of you put a chair, a 3D model in here, and then I want the 3D model to um, be short or be happy or whatever, and and that's all so the programming that Unity does. But you have to start with scenes and models. So part of the workflow is. Adobe and Autodesk in terms of you have 3D models, people, of animals, of dragons, you know, and mm -hmm. then scenes. And the problem is teachers don't have a lot of time to build these things. Yeah, I and mean, it's not a, not a labor like light process. Either. Right. And learning Maya is a heck of a lot harder than learning Unity. So what they're able to do is go into the asset store and if the asset store literally has it's not so many cool stuff, mm -hmm. visual scripting uh, layers. So you could actually um, have a plugin that does that and it makes it easier for coding. That's one of the top ones for education. I've just been looking at all the data. The other thing is you can get uh, whole scenes, 3D model scenes. So you get your, um, let's take uh, your dragons, your castles, your um, mountains and skies and everything and you can customize that just like in terms of, of basic creative editing kind of things. And then you can put that into your scene and then you're in control of your game. You can make it do whatever you want but you don't have to spend two months building those things. Um, so you can buy just a range of different things and there's a ton of free stuff in there, um, massive amounts of free stuff to just help get students working quickly. So we even have a, um, an asset set there um, on our, for our courseware that's free and it's uh, 
I cannot believe I'm blanking on the name of the asset, but basically it's a whole set of assets of being able to do a, it's a laser ray thing for um, <laughs> sheep or something like that. It's a really fun kind of educational game. Um, so yeah, so that's the other thing is how do we get more education focused assets out there so that they can meet and get started working. And a lot of people don't know about the asset store, so they get overwhelmed with, oh wait, where are the, you know, I have to go build these things now or I have to right. go find, and that's the other thing, you can't just, <coughs> It's difficult to go just go like to Google and download a person model, a per, like three model of a person, and then a dragon because they have to be the same ratio specs, right? So if you don't buy them all together or get download them together, built for each other in the scene, you're gonna have a lot of adjusting and stuff to right. do to make it work. So getting more awareness about, hey, don't worry about that stuff, just start making your games or just start making your, whatever your environment, your VR experience, that kind of thing. Uh, is is another half the battle, you know. Yeah, and along with that, it's not a lot of what I've written and written, and all the teachers I've talked to have said that there's a lot of hype and not a whole lot of like actual action on the ground. And I wonder how you guys are trying to like get. It, it seems like a lot of what you're doing is trying to get into that conversation and say like, this is a way you can use this. Right. Um, so how do you respond when people? I don't know. I don't know if anyone said that directly to you. No, I'm so offended. <laughs> so let me just uh, make sure I'm clear. So you're saying that there's a lot of talk about how game programs can be aligned with STEM, and the, but there's not a lot happening in the classroom yet? Right. So an example would be at South by Southwest, I went to a VR seminar that was basically just like a list of the headset hardware and like right. what's coming, what's there. And a bunch of teachers that I was sitting with at the table, um, I was saying, are you? would you guys be interested in... Um, putting VR into your classroom, every single teacher at the table said yes. It's kind of a self-selecting group. When I asked them what they would teach with it, none of them had like a concrete answer. Yeah. On, on a more data-driven side, like Samsung just released a survey that said like 60% of teachers would be interested in having VR in their classroom, 2% do. Right. So how do you respond to that? So it's, you know what's funny? It's, it's um, I, you know, I'm dating myself, but it was very much the same <laughs> thing when we really started uh, supporting Adobe products in, in education where Yes, we want to do digital communication. Students want to do digital portfolios and, and projects, but um, we have all these standards we have to align to. We have to have relevant projects. So one of the bi biggest things we did was we literally had, we, we had to do this so it was globally relevant, but we had, for example, you could build a, um, a flash game project, actually it was, uh, around Macbeth. And you had all the characters and scenes and it aligned to different standards. Or we had a project for that you used Flash, Dreamweaver, and Fireworks all about um, the solar system. So you could build a project. So it's relevant and then giving ideas of here's the way in classrooms you could do you could do different things. So we're taking the same approach with VR and with the projects that we're building right now, uh, which is, for example, uh, we partner with the... Uh, mm, this I'm partnership not under wraps. Well, I'm not sure if they're ready to announce it yet, but to give you an idea, and as soon as they do release this, I'll, I'll let you know. But the JPL Lab is one of our uh, customers. Yeah, I'm not. the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, NASA. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> you know the JPL. <laughs> I know that sounded so. Uh, it's JPL. Um, so what's really cool is we work really closely with them because Unity is actually on the space station. And uh, That's and cool. uh, right, and they uh, and they use it on with the rover. So the rover right now, they uh, is mapping Mars and sending back 
the images on an eight-hour rotational basis. So when the map, the images get back here, they map it into a VR experience made with Unity, and the scientists here can walk around in, on Mars. Mm. And I was literally just walking around at SeaGraph with the HoloLens um, on Mars that had been images mapped eight hours before, and uh, and you could literally see the granular, you know, sand. And, and the, but the full immersive vibe VR experience is even better, I think. Um, so basically what the scientists do is they find different areas as they're walking around all the sort of mapped region, send the rover over to collect data. And then the next process happens, they send all the images back. And so it's, it's the idea of using that kind of thing for space exploration, right? It's just fantastic. So what's, go what's great is they're going to give those assets um, out for free. And we're using those assets to build a project so students can use some of those images to have a VR, build a VR experience on Mars. And then they will be able to bring in, well, here's my, um, here's the alien on Mars. And here's the, uh, or my car I want to drive around on Mars. Um, so it gives them contextually relevant ideas that, that also broadens sort of the awareness of, oh my God, like, imagine VR for space exploration. Imagine VR for, um, here's some great examples. Right now, uh, it's being used uh, by the DOD, for example, and these agencies are building this, um, to train people how to defuse IEDs hmm. before they go over to Iraq, to fix helicopters. You know, I mean, it's incredibly more relevant experience. Obviously, you've probably heard of a lot of the medical, uh, you know, surgery kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, USC is doing some really cool things with uh, people coming back from P with PTSD that they put in a VR experience and actually regress them through what happened. Mm -hmm. um, and they found that has been uh, really good in terms of treating people. There's tons of stuff happening with um, uh, eye issues with kids and learning disabilities. Like they found that VR, they're able to detect when students have visual I image issues that, and I can give you names of some of these doing this research, but uh, visual issues, um, and it turns, it, may, it has been misdiagnosed as a learning disability, but they're able to detect it in VR and in 3D based on vision tests hmm. and address it. So it's just, I mean, there's so, um, there's so many cool things that are going on. I think giving teachers assets and project ideas that can be customized and relevant really it's just a set starting point you know it's like oh okay now I know how to get started now I see how good this is relevant to the subject area that we're teaching and how students could do this as an example um, and then what's really cool is Google uh, who's obviously a good partner of ours you know having Google Cardboard so getting you know more, more of those out there um, and within the next year, I forget what we're saying, you know, the, the Vive and Oculus experiences are going to be a heck of a lot more affordable, too. So, um, yeah, I think we, the, the onus is on companies like us, and certainly us is where the majority of what's being built out there, to <laughs> help people build it in the right way and, and, and support teachers. Yeah, and I can send you some more info, too, on our, our labs team, which is a different group here within Unity, but we're doing a lot just like on understanding how to improve workflows, authoring mm. tools, um, help people collaborate in VR development, and we have an editor VR tool which lets people actually edit a scene in VR, mm. um, whereas most of the options now you have to take off the headset code, try and right. move things around, and right. it just removes people from that experience. Um, and I think just to build on what um, Megan was saying, it, it's about giving people the means to create and then obviously like that effort will transplant over into the work for education. Um, we're starting with developers because that's who we know best, but it's gonna trickle down I think faster than we 
we think. I think the content gap is something that we're really passionate about helping bridge. Um, and you'll also hear us say that like, there are no rules right now for VR, right. which is part <laughs> of why it's so hard for anyone to know what's working and what's not. Well, the hardware is changing. Technology is changing so fast that if you come out with a full certification of VR, it's going to be redu- or it's, it's going to be irrelevant <laughs> in two months. So that's why we're trying to give more information is going to continue to be relevant and then ensure that you know that kind of information gets updated quickly that if something from the technology experience changes because it could change a whole workflow you know um, I think probably the coolest thing for us and something that we're doing in this broader project is um, sort of what you can do around sort of wildlife and things like that because I think my favorite VR experience is this one that we would have showed you if you've been <laughs> if we had it set up <laughs> we promised to show you is a whale experience called the blue and it's just mind-blowing to people of that kind of quality of the experience. If you're sitting on a boat, a ship, and it swims by, and you can literally see the bloodshot eye of it. And, uh, and so one of the things we're doing is supporting um, a lot of co- uh, companies want to do VR setups in museums and that kind of thing. Right. So you think about the museum experience. So yeah, working, the British Museum is like starting to do it. Yeah, so the British Museum, a bunch of them, there's some really cool augmented reality stuff on, uh, if you look at... Um, uh, YouTube, but you know, bringing more awareness to subject areas or places that people couldn't, students couldn't be, um, and it's not just like watching a, a film, like being in that film, it's just staggering, and so I think that's so exciting too. Of um, museums, you know, the Academy of Sciences having doing a VR experience there. In fact, we were had dinner last night with some of our researchers, and I was like, let's go to the number one bucket list of people. Like, where do people want to go most? And then let's go there with a VR camera. Let's do a whole experience. It was Antarctica. So mm. I'm not sure how quickly we're going to get there. but It's <laughs> <laughs> a long expedition. Yeah. Um, and how big is your education team right now? We are 14 people right now. Um, and that includes uh, curriculum developers, uh, researchers. Um, we have partner managers and um, regional people in, like, the East Coast. So our, you know, the biggest area we have are people who understand education and media, which is easily transferable to you know, what you're doing around Unity. It's a digital communication tool. Um, it's not just for games. And so being able to tie that to people who understand the necessity of how to build learning paths, how to um, align to standards, how, to, how the working with occupational standards programs like in the UK, um, that, that just gets broader awareness and support these is critical for us and do you have any numbers to share around like the traction that the edu- your education products have seen well certainly the the 64,000 you know downloads and then right. the, a million two by students um, we have a lot of cool projects that we get for them we have uh, I could give you connect you with a number of university programs that are doing amazing stuff um, and schools. So it's, are there places where people can see like the projects that students have done? Are they? I guess they're not public necessarily. In a, well, and they should be. Um, <laughs> so part of a, what we're we're doing is like on our website. To your point of it's like a cognitive dissonance looking at it. It's it's we're in the process of updating all of our pages. <laughs> it's so frustrating. You think by nowadays, you know, we'd be able to easily publish websites. Um, so we have a. We're working on a bunch of different initiatives to not only um, get our site with, set up with show, you know, showcases and great examples, um, also uh, we have this really uh, cool site that we're just starting out now called, is it Adobe Careers? Oh, Made with Unity. 
Well, there's Made with Unity that profiles people and great projects, and so um, we'll have education on that as well. And then, but there's also an Adobe Career site, and that is Adobe uh, Careers. Did I say Adobe? Jesus, would you just throw something at me when I do that? <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't sure where you were going with it. I don't think I did either, but uh, sorry, I mean, Unity. There's a, long, there's a long history with Adobe, so I don't, <laughs> I don't think anyone's saying. Unity swear. Connect is, our newest, is one of our newest services. Is yeah, that, that it's hard for me to remember everybody's name, or remember even our own product's name. So, um, <laughs> we're a big company. Like yeah. Right. So uh, Unity Connect is, uh, like I was saying about, there's so much demand for skills around Unity and for VR that we are, are, have a platform now uh, that people can come and look and see with who's certified. Um, there's even like certified uh, asset developer, that kind of thing, so that it's, a, you know, it's an area to really help promote people's skills and get people, help people get jobs. So um, that area, we really wanna help support with students uh, being in there, graduating, showing their work, their portfolios. But you know, things just take time to develop. Up. We've doubled in size in the past year, yeah. I think. We just announced that in May. So that's in beta right now. The? The Connect uh, oh. sort of job forum and hub. Um, it's an extension of a lot of the stuff we were already seeing happening in our forums and, and people seeking. So we're looking to take advantage of just the reach that we have to help people get yeah. connected with opportunities. The EAs, the Disney's, you name it, they're come. You know, they've been asking us, "Who can you point us to? Who, who, you know, where can we find skills?" So it was, we really had to do it, you know. And then of course we we right with LinkedIn and that kind of thing. But um, this was a great way to also eventually you know, do sort of crowdsourcing things for portfolio review and feedback and that kind of thing. So that's sort of the future longer term plans that we have. surprised when I still write notes I'm like if I don't write it down I don't remember as well <laughs> right I, I remember like gists of conversations better with writing notes and then like use this to get the actual quote right to keep that accurate um, and how do you see I mean you started in February and I think unity announced like their big gigantic round of funding in last month or a couple weeks ago um, has that do you see like your division as being different after that like it needs to accelerate or was that kind of like on the books when you started well i did request 50 million of that for education mm -hmm. strangely they have not gotten back to me. <laughs> <laughs> but i think really i'm not sure what the official line is but certainly it's to for it's it's all to help sort of grow our company so you probably know right. what the official line is yeah we didn't disclose any plans for specific allocation of funds um i think you know it's to promote global growth, make sure that the engine and our platform are up to par and sort of expand services, but we didn't share any more than that. Okay. <laughs> no worries. They've been, I've been absolutely thrilled here though. There's so much support and you know, it's funny, Unity was really founded on this belief of democratizing game development getting this out to the broadest type of people. And it's really sort of the ethos of where it all started in Copenhagen. And so people feel really passionately about education and how important it is here. Mm -hmm. To the point where it's literally, we have Slack channels and stuff. I mean, I just constantly have my, my team answering questions of, yes, we're doing that, yes, we're doing that, yes, we understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like education's just redhead stepchild. It is uh, front and center, so that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And not from a, go make us a bunch of money. 
Well, those are all the questions that I have um, and I've written down and thought of. Is, are there any important topics that you think we've missed, things you think we should be talking about? Um, I, it would be great if you want to talk to some of our customers. It can give you sort of their, their viewpoint of, um, of what they're seeing and both at the university and school level. Just let us know if you're interested. Um, sure. I think I need to go through this sure. and kind of like divine what the story is. Um, and then I'll get back to you. Yeah. Follow up questions. I, I think that probably the, the biggest thing is that, and it really surprised me at ISTE. At, but yeah, how it, was your experience at ISTE? It, it was amazing. It was amazing how much VR and AR <laughs> stuff. A lot of it was crappy, um, but some of it was really cool. And like it's you just. Said the content gap is wide. It's massive, yeah. Hence pressure, right? Getting the. I think, it, I think the most stunning to me, thing to me is how much unity is out there, but people don't know it. We are like the best kept secret on the planet. Hmm. And even though we've got millions and millions of downloads into education and people are using it everywhere, um, it's not as much awareness that, hey, there is this tool to do this and there are resources to do this. Um, so, you know, when you're, people run into a wall of how do, what do I do for VR, I mean, even our Learn site has some fantastic tutorials to get people started. Um, and that's just right on our website, even with VR. Uh, and they can download the free version and get started right away and go to the asset store and download free assets. So there really aren't any barriers right there. I think the biggest barriers are, hey, I need some instructional resources, I need to, some workshop materials, I need that kind of thing, which you know we're trying to get out as quick as possible. We do have the educator toolkit that has that. So it's more of um, just want to get that message out because again, with Pokemon Go and like all the stuff involved built with Unity, right? Built that, on Unity, right. So exciting and people are now starting to come up with great ideas of what, what could I do similar to that that would be, you know, the, the, it just, there's no end to what it could do. So, you know, don't get lost, go download our stuff for free and start working on stuff like that. <laughs> so I think that's probably the biggest thing that certainly at the administration level, there's very little awareness. There, there isn't some, so it, like uh, the state of Kentucky, the state of Georgia are all starting to adopt those initiatives that, you know, Obama originally um, started around gaming. Um, but again, just, People aren't sure where to start, I think. And there's so much noise out there, you know? It's, <laughs> it's hard to get through the noise, both in education and just overall. And it's so cool, we've had students come in here, they come in here a lot, and there were some high school students in Oakland that came in and showed some of their games to our engineers. Cool. Um, and we had a little cupcake party there, and man, the engineers were just stunned by the complexity of the games that the students had done. So that's awesome. Kids are, you know, they're just—it's unbelievable. You already know this, but they just picked it up <laughs> so much quicker. Like, it's harder for me sometimes to to build something in 3D because I never really started in 3D, mm -hmm. and uh, and they start developing in that model and thinking that model from playing games, you name it. So I think they just pick it up so much quicker. I can send you a, a father actually just sent us an email this week with the video, video of his 10-year-old who's built two games wow. in Unity. Wow, two? Um, oh my and I just sent him a swag box. Too. Nice. But um, he said that he picked up a book at the library, taught it to himself, and now has Awesome Games Studio in <laughs> Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And it's just like, that's, I think, getting to see that kind of stuff is really like what motivates so many people here today. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to see that. And that the kid who said the letter about, and I'd like to own my game company, please. Please get back to me. <laughs> it's just great. I love that. 
So I can I have some examples of like this museum application, some of the training sims, um, student games that we can send you just so you have some things in front of you. Sure, I'll take anything um, and everything. Yeah, we have a whole new list just up that uh, we have that Diana has been curating for Seagraph and stuff. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Have you, have you been hearing uh, other companies talking about VR a lot? There's uh, Yeah. Um, everybody's sort of built an application in it. Um, there's some cool books out there. Like, I love the augmented reality book, sort of the holograms that you can view when you're reading through the books from, like... Oh, I haven't tried that. That's yeah, fun. Yeah, forget who. I forget. Digital Safari or something like that. But. Mm. Um, oh, sorry. I just remembered another one. I'll send you an example. Please. I mean, I'll, tell you, I'll look through everything. Um, so more is better. Um, what have I been hearing? There's one company in LA um, that's using Unity to let kids build their own VR um, mazes. <laughs> so they, they sort of have, Unity abstracts a lot of the coding out of development, mm -hmm. but they've taken it one step further where, um, and it's aimed I think at kids like eight to 12, they take, they build a physical maze, take a picture of it, upload it to the um, app which automatically renders it into a VR wow, experience. Kind of like photogrammetry. Totally. Hmm. So they can build their own um, and that's launching this fall. Um, but they're, I can connect you with them for sure. They're, they're awesome. Neato. That was amazing to me actually at ISTE. Speaking of that, um, the majority of the VR stuff that was happening there all built on Unity. So they had their own products built on it just as well as you can use it as an editor. Mm -hmm. um, so that's cool because it's such a powerful engine. Yeah. yeah New York Times uses us for their video content. Oh, yeah. VR video content. I watch their stuff. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the New York Times, I was laughing really. They won it. I don't know if you said they won an award at Con, and but it was for best marketing. Like that. So the, the Con Festival like deemed their VR experiences to be marketing for the New York Times brand. This has nothing to do with education. Not surprising, it was bizarre, though. Because oh. it was like a story about child refugees. Oh, that's that's such a cool one, too. I've seen yeah, that it was one. good. Rwanda, I was just I kind of yeah. like, that seems fun. Actually, we had J. Walter Thompson, the whole uh, group. Uh, you know, they, they, have a, they own all like the Ogilvies and everybody like that. Mm -hmm. And they were in here yesterday. Um, and they are, man, advertising the future is augmented reality and cool. VR. And they're... This particular one of their agencies is doing a lot of the um, um, medical, like government training stuff. Mm -hmm. So, teaching the uh, police forces about gun safety or that kind of thing. Um, so they're using it for that kind of thing. But they have a whole big strategy around advertising. You know, how how can we get displays in places? Yeah. So I think it's just the beginning of what we're going to see. You know. Neato. You know. yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> Thank you so much to Megan Stewart for joining us on the EdSearch podcast this week. And listeners, one thing before you go, if you need some voting practice before November 8th, South by Southwest EDU's panel picker is now open, which means you can weigh in on what sessions you'd like to see at next year's gathering. It's March 6th through 9th. We've got a few topics that we're speaking about, so check out, or potentially vote for, the panels that are related to personalized learning, virtual reality, making decisions in a crowded ed tech market, and or open data standards. They might just have an ed search person on the docket. Voting is open until September 2nd, and we'll see you in Austin. And with that, I'm Blake Montgomery. Thanks for listening. This is the EdSurge Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.